Okay, the first page is basically why I think Transfiguration Sunday is better than Christmas and Easter, but I'm going to skip explaining why I think that. But Transfiguration Sunday is my favorite religious day of the year. And I think it's a shame that Hallmark hasn't capitalized on this special religious day because if the world needs anything, they need to know that transformation is possible. Maybe it's hard for Hallmark to pick up on a story that ends with, they kept silent, and in those days, no one uh, said anything about what they had seen. That's a hard marketing campaign. Peter and John and James saw Jesus transfigured. His face changed. His clothes became dazzling white. And a reunion happened, and then a voice followed, my son, my chosen, listen to him. I wonder, who was transfigured, changed, transformed that day? Jesus or Peter and John and James? Have you ever had one of those experiences where something inexplicable happens? It's mysterious, it's baffling, maybe even a bit eerie, but something shifts, something turns, something changes, and the way you see the world, the way that you live in the world, the way that you respond to the world, the way that you engage the world is different. Some moment happens, celebratory or tragedy, and you are transformed. It does still happen. We are conditioned to give up hope and lose hope. We are trained to brace for the worst. We are prepared to believe that substantive change is not really possible in ourselves and in others. And we've come to accept that, well, old habits just die hard, and that's that, and we have to live with it. Enter Transfiguration Sunday. And it has shown up right on time this year. Exactly at the moment when the world needs most to hear that transformation and change is possible, we are given this gift of possibility, of a changed countenance and dazzling clothes and a voice that says, my chosen. Perhaps that's why we have come together today on a gloomy, rainy, cold Sunday, both outside with the weather and inside in the depths of our being as the world watches the agony of war and lives with the anxiety of what this will mean for them, for us. We have come here to be reminded that transfiguration is still possible. I need for you to embrace that. I want you to accept that. I want you to believe it. Just ask anyone that has been clean and sober for one day. And when those one day at a time string together to make one month, and when those one month at a time string together to make a year, or maybe two years, or maybe 30 years clean and sober, then tell me change isn't possible. We're not talking about probable. We're talking about possible. We get hung up with what's probable. That's how the world calculates improbabilities. 
The church calculates impossibilities. Just ask anyone who becomes educated. Watch that light bulb come on over someone's head and then watch them come alive when you learn to read, and then when you sit at the feet of those who have something new to teach you and you sit there with an open mind to receive, be careful because it is highly likely that you are going to be transfigured, changed, transformed. At least that's what happened to me. But for today, I want to tell you about what I witnessed at a lunch meeting this past Tuesday. I sat in a room of mostly clergy, the only white person there, and I listened for two hours to people testify to transfiguration. It was a gathering to support the Exodus Foundation, which is an organization whose sole purpose is to stop the flow of African Americans to prison. Here's their vision statement to participate in creating a more sane, humane, and safe world where color and class discrimination cease to contaminate justice and its resources and punishment as the answer to criminal activity is replaced by atonement, reconciliation, restorative justice, and secured mental health treatment. It's a large vision. I don't have time to tell you all that I heard about the prison, our prison system that is so very broken. I don't have time to tell you all that I learned about the difference in punishment and taking someone's life in prison. I don't have time to tell you about all the statistics of the injustice of a system that is designed to continue to fail those who have no one as an advocate working on their behalf. Depending on the color of your skin, what neighborhood you are from, and how much education you have, the justice system works differently for the haves and the have-nots. It works differently for white people than black people. If you don't believe that, you are not paying attention. But I want to tell you, I'm going to take the time to tell you about the man who spoke, who was about my age, his mid-50s, just eight months out of prison of serving 31 years of his life. He talked about being a stupid kid with no role models. He told about how he, his brother, his cousin, and his cousin's friend made a series of stupid mistakes that landed them in prison. And over the 31 years there, he changed. He got educated and he spent as much time as he could in the law library of the prison writing letters to Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and the Reverend William Barber, and he never heard back from any of them. Somehow he connected with the Exodus Foundation, who worked on his behalf and their behalf to get their sentence, their life sentence reduced to time served. He couldn't believe it. But he was standing there before us with a job and a passion to help others in prison system who have no one working on their behalf. He said punishment is necessary, but not taking someone's whole life for being a stupid kid. And the system is designed to take too many, especially black, lives. 
And then he said it. He said the one thing I needed to hear in a week, feeling on the brink of another world war, in a week of losing hope, in a week leading up to my most favorite religious day of the year, Transfiguration Sunday, he said, I'm standing here today, free for eight months after 31 years in prison to tell you that redemption is real and people can change. And I wrote it down because I knew last Tuesday at noon that that would be the title of this sermon today. Redemption is real. People can change. As this black man stood before me in a room of black clergy and me, I would swear to you that the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes were dazzling. And he appeared in glory in this company of clergy. And a voice came that said, this is a son of mine. Listen to him. And right then and there, I believed yet again in the power of God to transfigure, to change, to transform lives. And I beg of you, believe it with me. Please, for the love of God, believe people can change. Redemption is possible, even when it's not probable. We do not live as Christians on probability. We live on possibility. Believe it. Believe it. Live like you believe it. Talk about it. Be it. Come on, y'all. We can be transfigured. Everybody can. May it be so. Amen.